You know, I think that the timing of this is so very perfect because we are, uh, had, have just begun. We're now week three of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Churchwide Campaign. And I know through my own experience that uh, an unhealthy uh, emotional life hinders us really growing in Christ, really embracing the fullness of the abundant life that Christ wants for us. And so we've got to deal with this, you know, and, and grief is, we're going to be talking about this in the series as well, just, just how grief can enlarge your soul, you know, and, and as Sarah mentioned a while ago, there's a way that the believer can grieve that is not without hope, that there's a hope that lies within. And so I, I have been really... Um, Growing through this experience, I've been through it several times before, and um, I, I too have dealt with a, a lot of grief in my life. And, and you know, there's a, a passage I go to very often. It's the very beginning of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians where he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And that is just a picture of our heart at this church, which is to be a disciple-making church. Disciple-making means when I go through situations, life circumstances that are not good, I, I allow God to shape me so that I can be used by that to help other people who are now going through that situation. It's, it's the, the idea is multiplication, that everything that God gives to me, I have received by his goodness and I give back to others. I want to be so full that I cannot contain it. It's so, such a blessing. I know that we're starting to take for granted. If not, we've taken for granted that we can gather like this together. But, you know, it was just, just a year ago we were in the parking lot. And I'm just like, wow, you know, God, that we can do this again. And that we've made it through that season. And uh, we're here. It's, it's such a wonderful thing. And I know... Uh, that many of us during that COVID season, when we were so isolated, we just had to figure out, what, what can I do next? I, I got to figure out, you know, I need a hobby or something. And, you know, I, I, every time I talk with anybody close to me, I say, I'm this close to finishing my basement. Well, the, the 21st was two years. And I had set this goal on the 21st, I would have done it two years. Well, it's not finished. But, but it gave me something to do, you know. And, and then I, I think about uh, after years, decades of negotiating with my bride, she finally allowed me to get a motorcycle last year. And so I got a motorcycle. And, you know, but, but you know, I, I'm the kind of person, anything I'm going to do, I, I got to research. I got to know about it. I got to educate myself. And the only reason she gave me permission, because I really studied what does it mean. It's a dangerous thing, potentially, a, a motorcycle. What, what do you do to be safe on it? How do you increase safety and I made commitments to her I'm going to do everything I can be to safe I'm not riding in traffic I don't ride at night I'm always geared up all of that you know but you know the thing is whenever you start to get your mind on anything there's what they call mindset right there's mindset. So all of a sudden, I'm just noticing motorcycles, right? You, you, you guys probably don't think about it much. But, but, you know, as we were, you know, Jim and I got our license together. You know, as we, we just started seeing motorcycles. And then I start seeing Ninja 400s. <laughs> you know, it's mindset. And I think likewise, as we've entered into this emotionally healthy spirituality, I've been through it before. But I am noticing my emotions. I'm noticing little things that, that trigger me 
you know, that get me immediately. I, I want to get upset. I want to get angry. I want to, you know, and, you know, most of the time I kind of catch it. I say, okay, Lord, you're still working on me, aren't you? He's a good God, amen? You need to know he's a good God. No, no matter where you are right now, no matter what your struggle is, you need to know he's a good God, and he knows all your stuff. He knows your stuff, and he loves you with an everlasting love. Nothing can separate you from his love. You need to know that. Because I know sometimes when we're going through and we start seeing ourselves, we want to go, I just can't take myself. And so we, we seriously, we put sort of like our head in the sand when it comes to ourselves. We, we see other people's stuff. All, it's easy to see your stuff, right? And what, I'm, what, I, what is coming to mind as I'm going through this, this season again, as we're entering into this is, my goodness, the speck in your eye, I, I can see it. But the plank in my own... Lord, help me. <laughs> so I hope that you're all growing in the same regard. Um, and as Pete Cazera says, the one who wrote the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and I, I agree with him. You really can't grow into spiritual maturity if you are dealing with emotional unhealth. It will hinder you. And so we need to have an openness to say, God, search me. God, search me and know me. You know, the scripture says in one place, Paul writes, says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. So I've got to have this willingness to look within. What's in me, God? What's in me? But also have the confidence that he is changing me. And he's taking all my stuff and he's healing me and he's bringing me into a place where I can experience the abundant life that Jesus said is, is ours. So we, we have looked at the, the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. That was week one. Uh, we, we've talked about just the, the reality that, that I, I really can't, you know, know God fully if I'm not willing to know myself. I've got, I've got to look within. Uh, it helps me to understand God's grace all the more. Because when I see me, I recognize, my goodness, I am a sinner. And the longer I really walk with the Lord and see myself, the more I realize what a gracious God I serve. He's a good God. And his greatness increases. And the cross of Christ, which is the bridge, the gap for us, gets bigger and bigger. And I appreciate all the more, Jesus, what you did for me. Yes, I am a sinner, but God, you are great. And your grace is greater than my sin. Amen. Well, well, today we're going to be looking at the story of uh, Joseph, and uh, we see in the, the book of Genesis in chapter 50. And uh, what, I, what we want to talk about this morning is the importance of uh, being willing to go back, that we could go forward. Now, I'm not talking about dwelling in the past. That, that's unhealthy in and of itself. But the willingness to examine what has happened in my life that has shaped me. And how can I use that to keep pressing forward? If you're willing and uh, if you have the ability, would you stand for the reading of God's word? I'm reading from Genesis chapter 50, uh, beginning at verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers and the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. 
His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Father, thank you. Thank you for these stories of old, Lord, that teach us. They, they teach us uh, examples of what not to do and what to do. I pray, God, that this morning, Lord, your people would be encouraged by your word, by, Lord, the, the voice of the Spirit speaking. Lord, may you use this earthen vessel to speak words of blessing. I pray, God, for each person in the sound of my voice that we would leave here encouraged, knowing, God, that you are doing a good work in us and that we will press forward toward that prize to which you have called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So, uh, just to give you a little bit of context where we're at, I know many of you are familiar with this story from, from Genesis, but, you know, Genesis, as the name suggests, is beginnings. It's, it's about the beginning of, of humanity. Of course, it's about the, the reality that God created all that we see with a word, brought everything into existence. And then we see in, in chapter 3 where sin now enters into humanity. Uh, all of us are children of Adam, of Eve. We are all descendants of, 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 of him. And, and the sin of Adam uh, has pervaded all humanity. Remember some weeks ago when we were going through Romans 6, 7, and 8, we spoke of how uh, the, the sin of that one man has now been our inheritance. But it is the, the righteousness of the one man, Jesus, that now makes all uh, who come to him ready to receive that, that righteousness. But sin enters, and this is the story of the scriptures. There's sin, and then there's God's plan of redemption, and there's restoration. There's going to be glorification, but there's sin. And we see once sin has entered the human race, that there's this rebellion against God. We're born into it. Families are troubled and broken and, and, and distorted from God's original intention that we would be with him forever. It's because of sin that we die, that every one of us deal with the grief of this life. And you see in Genesis, even the, the first brothers and children, there's jealousy that escalates to murder. We find these destructive behaviors within families. Criticism and abuse of authority and lying and emotional withholding and blaming and denying and secrets. We, we see all of this and we see that in our own families today. Even the very best families. You know, um, we, we are heading to Atlanta right after this. We, we are going down to see our daughter Jasmine is celebrating 30 years. And we're just going to celebrate that with her, with her. And, of course, we get to see our precious little Ava. You know, I talk about... You, you grandpas understand. You, you, you get where I'm coming from, right? Uh, but but the, the, the purity that I saw in her as a newborn, it ain't there no more. She is sweet, and I love her to no end, but my goodness, it's like you just sassy. And that's in all of us. That's in all of us. And I don't know about you, but especially when you get to 
our age, we're now we're grandparents. I look at this precious girl, and grandpas, grandmas, we spoil our kids, right? But I look at her and say, you know, I've grown a lot as, as a parent, and my goodness, could I not have got a, a do-over, Lord? Have I totally screwed up my kids? Every parent thinks like that, you know. I, I, did I mess them up? But, but we do the best we can. And, and my parents and your parents and my grandparents, they all have stuff that we've inherited, patterns in our lives. And so we see here now in this story that there's the, the potential without Jesus to have unprocessed, unbiblical ways of being in this world. And the ways that we have been taught, you know, I've come to Jesus now and I'm trying to live for him, but those ingrained ways want to pull me back. They, they, they want to keep me fighting. They want to keep me in Romans 7, where I'm just battling it, trying to do this in my own strength. And I want to put it to, to us this morning. If we are to go forward in Christ, there's the importance that we go back and we examine ourselves and say, what, what has shaped me? What, what has happened to me? Genesis 50:15. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did him? I don't know if what you're seeing here now, what follows is genuine repentance or not. Maybe they're just scared. Who knows? So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions behind before he died. Let me, let's appeal to daddy. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. At least they're acknowledging there that what they did was wrong. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of your father. Then they sent the message. When the message came to him, Joseph wept. So there's a little genogram here. I don't know if you guys have ever looked at one of those before, looked at your own genogram. My family has done quite a bit of, of uh, you know, uh, ancestry and so forth. My mom was real into it. My, my younger brother now is taking the mantle and he's doing a lot of that work. And we've traced back generations to like, you know, I think it's like 1700s and it's, it goes back quite a way, you know. But, but you see in, in Joseph's life, he, he comes out of a blended family. You know, he, his father had two wives and two concubines. His father... The one who was called Israel, the one who was Jacob, he was a pathological liar. He was a schemer. He, there, and those themes of the generations are passing down, you know. He, he, one of the very terrible things he did is that he favored him. And that's a challenge for any parent, right? It's a challenge for a parent to say, let me really treat my kids uh, with the same love they're all different. Every kid is different. I, I, I like to think that that's the case with, with, with us. I love each of my kids very differently because they are different, but I don't love one more than they are. And when we start to show favoritism, that becomes a problem. You, you know, he gave him that coat of many colors. And then Joseph, in his youth and arrogance, starts, you know, saying, hey, you guys are going to bow down to me. Now, now, that dream was from the Lord, and it was the reality, but I, I think perhaps in his communication, he could have been a little bit more subtle. But his brothers took that message of them bowing down to him and said, let's get rid of this guy. And, and, and it's hard to imagine that they're ready to kill, literally kill their brother. 
And the, the next youngest, Reuben, says, hey, hey, what if we just put him in a, in, in a cistern instead, you know, and, and maybe he, and his intention was to go back and help him, but he wasn't strong enough to do anything about it. And so Joseph goes through some serious trauma in his life. I mean, trauma beyond what any of us probably would ever endure. Now, I know that as I'm saying this, some of you have been through real trauma. And in my family, we've experienced real trauma. We have experienced it. And it affects you. When we think about it, he's put in this cistern. I was trying to imagine this. He put in a cistern where it's darkness, it's damp, and he doesn't know what's happening. It must have been frightening for him. And his brothers did this to him. Then he's sold into slavery. He, he, he's in this place where, again, he, he's been sold for the, the equivalent of two years' wages. And his father now is told he's killed. There's a funeral. Father believes that he's, he's for the next 22 years, he's like, my son is dead. And he's not stopped grieving for him. So he's dealt with the loss of his mom and his dad and his culture and his country, his place, his nurture, his upbringing, his land. He's just, he's just seriously traumatized. And then he's put in prison. He's a slave for Potiphar. He's unjustly accused of rape. He spends about 11, 13 years in prison. No hope of being found And I don't know, I'm just, I am speculating here, but I can imagine being in his shoes going, my family did this to me. I can't imagine he wasn't thinking that. This is what my family is like. I don't know where you're coming from. Maybe you've come from a family that's dealt with you with great love and, 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 and admiration, and, and that's a blessing if you have had that. You know, I, I am thankful for my family. Far from perfect. And, you know, even this morning as we were sitting at the breakfast table, I was remembering things about my dad and some things we went through. I was like, I know he got that from his dad. He was doing the best he could. But there are some things in my life I'm going, okay, I, I'm starting to understand where my anger came from. <laughs> but the story finishes and Joseph is interp he interprets this dream and he's pulled from prison and the, his, his status is elevated. He's put in full charge right behind Pharaoh. Uh, and, and now finally, you know, they, the Egypt is in this place where all the nations are coming to them for support. Because J Joseph, through dreams from the Lord, received wisdom in how to prepare for the famine. And he sees them. They don't recognize him. He recognized them at first. And finally comes to their attention after their fathers died. This is our brother. And this is where we're coming from. This is, this is where we are in the story. You know, I, I want to say to us, folks, it, it is important in this process of dealing with emotion to get to a place of health where we're pressing into God and said, God, I want to go forward, but this is hindering me, that, that we acknowledge we acknowledge the family impact. That our, our, our family has impacted us. For good or for bad. You know, again, I've shared many times before that coming into the faith, I came in with an anger in me that I feel like after 33 years of following Jesus, I'm starting to deal with. 
It's not being dealt with completely, and, and, and I see triggers coming up in me most of the time. I, I'm thankful, Lord, thank you for showing it to me so that I don't have to act on it. But, but I came in with a rage, and I, you know, Mama, I loved her to know end, but my Mama had a rage too. I mean, I, I, I mean I, I've seen my Mama do things that Maria can't imagine because <laughs> she knew my Mama. She, my Mama, she has a very sweet side to her, let me tell you. But she also had a rage in her. And she got that from her mother. And it went down the generations. And we bring that with us. You know, and it was, I shared with you, I think it was in the first lesson, uh, part of what got me on the journey of really dealing with my emotions was the physical pain that I was in. And, and um, being convinced that much of the physical pain in our bodies relates to psychosomatic issues. That I'm not, I have to deal with the emotion behind it. But my family and your family has impacted us. We, we have patterns in our life that may have gone back generations that we don't even know of. So, so I loved my grandpa, my mom's dad. He was just the funniest man, and he used to love to tell stories. My kids never really knew him. But as he would tell stories in his Jamaican patois, he would say, he would, he, he would come to a point and just, and as he's telling the stories, he would just pause at a moment and go, anyway, my dear child, which means anywhere, anyway, my dear child, anyway, my dear child, and he would go on and they'd continue. And what's so funny is my kids start using that expression, anyway, my dear child, and, and they've never even met him. So, I mean, that's just a, a simple example of just a, a phrase that's passed on. Do you think that maybe there are emotional patterns that have been passed on as well that we've picked up and received? I think so. I think so. And it's easy for us to maybe aspects of our past to, to say, I don't want to think about that. I want to ignore it because it's very painful. Uh, I'll, I'll have you guys read through this. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't, to, to buy the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. But in the book, Pete Scazzera talks about Ten Commandments of the, of the family. And, you know, he speaks of money and how money is handled. Conflict, avoiding conflict. Uh, sex, don't speak about it openly. Grief and loss, we're going to be talking about that. You know, you're just bottling those emotions. Don't do anything about it. How do you express anger? Either bottle it up or, or blow up one of the two, you know, uh, you owe your parents everything in family relationships. Don't trust people. Attitudes towards perhaps other cultures. You know, we are the superior people and everyone else is sort of below us, you know. Success. What does success look like? Getting into the best schools, achievement. Feelings and emotions. That's a biggie, you know. How do we express or not express that? Read through that on your own. But, but these are the things that, again, impact us in terms of our family of origin. All of us. And we've got to acknowledge it. If I don't, I'll continue to do the same things over and over and not even know why I'm doing it. It's when I go back, I can say, God, I, I need you to deal with it. I can break patterns and habits, but it's through you. But if I don't know what they are, I don't know how to break it. And How, how many of us oftentimes are in a place doing something over and over and going, why do I keep doing this? All of us, right? And I, I am convinced, again, you go back and you can start to see that. 
His brothers then came to him and threw themselves down before him. This is verse 18. We're your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You know, I think in one sense, uh, verse 20 here is almost like a, a summary of the Bible. This is God's grace to us. There's evil in this world, and the enemy wants to take us and, and separate us from him, and God has made a plan of redemption. The wickedness, the evil that has happened in your life, in my life, in the world, God says, I want to redeem that. I have made a way by sending my beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus died for your sins and the sins of your parents. And anyone who would come to him, he says, there's forgiveness, there's covering. I, I, I love this verse. It's right in sync with my life theme verse, Romans 8, 28, which we dealt with just a few weeks ago. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. And so no matter what you've been through, no matter what your, your family life has been to, if you are to go forward, you've got to recognize the God's goodness, even in the bad circumstances. That God is working for good even in the, the bad circumstances. I appreciate you, um, uh, Joel, just the, the worship this morning, the last song we, we sang, the way maker, you know. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And we don't always see it and we don't always feel it. Sometimes what we're feeling is, God, where are you? I, I don't know why this is happening to me. Why did you allow this to happen to me? And sometimes it just takes the, 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 the passage of time to look back and see how God has used it for good. That you say, God, you had a good plan. That even when the enemy wanted to do evil and has done and has wrought what we would call absolute evil in our lives, God takes it and he redeems it and he uses it for good. This gets right back to where we started, Sarah, when we were talking again about can praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who takes that wickedness, that evil that has happened to us and has caused us to grieve, and that he comforts us through it. And then takes these broken human beings who have gone through such hardship and uses us now to comfort another person who's going through that and say, you can make it. You can do it. I don't know your struggle directly. Only you know your struggle. But I know God has taken me through mine. And he's a good God. Amen. Amen. He's a good God. And he loves you so very much. And I know the enemy would whisper in your ears, if he's so good, then why did he allow this to happen to you? We live in a fallen world. You've heard me say this many times. If God was to say, I'm just going to wipe away all the evil. Who's left? Seriously. I, I am so thankful that he didn't do that because I would not be here. We've got wickedness inside of us. Yeah, there are degrees. From, from our perspective, there, are, there is serious, serious, utter evil in this world. But I've got this thing inside of me that wants to look at my brother and call him a fool. And Jesus says, that's murder. 
There's this lust inside me that wants to look at a woman in a way that's inappropriate. And God says that's adultery. It's a heart issue. There's this heart issue. And God says, I want to redeem all of that. And even when you have been the victim of wickedness, think of Joseph again, what he's been through. His very family, his brothers put him through all of this years upon years, decades of trial and difficulty and hardship. And his response, you know, I, I, I want to be able to echo this at all times. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Do you think that Joseph perhaps had a perspective that he saw God? Amen. Amen. And that's what God wants to do for us. It's okay to go back and look at it and say, this was wrong. What was done to me was wrong. And we call it what it is, evil. But God is a redeemer. And he's a good God. And he wants to take whatever you've been through and he wants to remind you, I am working for your good. I'm not done. I'm not done. And I know personally, especially those moments where I'm going through situations that I really don't like, I cry out to to the Lord, Lord, I don't like it. I'll just say it plain. But I know you're good. And I know you're working for good. I'm going to recognize your goodness in the midst of this. It takes a different lens, right? I I can't look at it with a natural eye. It requires the the perspective of faith. And this is how we're called to walk the Christian life. I think it's in Colossians. It talks us we begin by faith and what? We continue by faith. I don't stop holding on to faith because, okay, now I've been saved and now I'm going to live in the flesh. No, that doesn't make any sense. We begin in the Spirit and we continue in the Spirit. This dependence on God and knowing that He's working all things for our good. This this theme flows throughout Scripture. You know, you you think of the people of Israel going into bondage for 70 years, and the prophet Jeremiah says to them, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now they were about to go into slavery for 70 years. And he wants to remind them, I've got good plans for you. I've got good plans for you. Many are the plans in a person's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And God is working on your side. So then don't be afraid, he says. Verse 21, I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You know, you, know, you got to read these words and understand. Remember where he's coming from. Remember that he's come from a place where they have significantly hurt him. Significantly. Now, it's even one thing to say, okay, God was working this for good. I know you're doing this, God, because you've got high purposes. And, you know, many people are going to be saved because of all that has happened with my life, with what they did to me. You're redeeming it. I know that. That's one thing. And that's a good place to be. It's another thing to go from there to not only am I forgiving you, but I'm going to be kind towards you. 
I don't know how you do that apart from God. Seriously. When somebody has been evil towards you, and you turn around and go, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to speak kindly to you. You may or may not respond, but that's going to be my posture. Why? Because God is working in me. God is working in me. And so this is the, again, I want to say to you, as you're in this process right now, yes, look back and say, this is what's happened. I'm trusting God. This is what you're doing. And I'm going to press on to determine in my heart, I will do that hard work of discipleship. It's not easy. I know that. I know it's not easy to to speak kindly to somebody who's been wicked to you, but this is what the work of the Spirit does in us. This is uh, one of the, 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 the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the things that God does by His Spirit in us. And, and I can resist it. I, I don't have to produce the, the fruit. I can say, God, you saved me. That's it. I'm going to keep going. No, but that's, we're missing out on the abundance that He has for us. And, and so it's not just a matter of putting my head in the sand and pretending like nothing happened. No, I'm going to acknowledge there have been some things that have happened in my own family that did not come out the way I would have wanted. I don't know how. I would not do this. Even though I look back on my own life, I've done things that perhaps my, my kids are going, how did my dad do this? Why would he have done that? I've done things like that, and you probably have too. So I'm not going to ignore all of that. I'm going to go back to it. And, and if there are things that I, I might have to look at my own life and look at my children and say, you know something, when I did that when you were four years old, I was wrong. But I'm going to trust that in all of that. And I've blown it. And so have you and your parents have blown it. And so have mine. I'm going to look at all of that. And so God, but I know that you're a redeemer. There's nothing too difficult for you. There's nothing too difficult for you. You take the evil of this world and you turn it and you use it for good. And I am going to press in. I'm going to do that hard work of discipleship. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to take the time to learn. As, as, as we're going through this emotionally healthy spirituality, I know that there's some of you right now who are probably going, I'm not going on the path. It's too painful. But that's part of the, the journey towards being like Jesus. There is pain involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could tell you that, that if you become a Christian, you'll never have problems again. Or that your past would just be wiped away. And that No, you, you, bring, you bring your past with you. But know God is good. And determine in your heart, Jesus, I am, I'm going to press forward. Because you're not doing it by yourself. Here's what the word says again. He who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You're not doing this by yourself. You're doing it with him. And that's why I think that Joseph was, was able to go, God, you've worked in this. I, I know my life was messed up, but you're working in this. And because I have seen what you have done, I am going to speak kindly to my brothers and sisters, my brothers. This is hard work, folks. And we're not done. I'm in the journey with you. I'm so thankful that he's showing me me. It's been stretching, uncomfortable, but good. And I hope that has been your experience so far. 
If you've not plugged into a group yet, please, please, I urge you. Scan your, scan your phone right now. Look at, look at, look at your, 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 your bulletin and, and sign up for a group. It's not too late. It's not too late. Connect. Know that one of the gifts God has given to you is the body of Christ. If you've not said yes to Jesus yet, talk with, with, with Don, uh, with Sarah, with myself today, and make sure that you understand that when we proclaim this gospel, it is that Jesus Christ came and died for sins and rose from the dead. And it wasn't just to cover over your sins. That, that was essential. But it was to make you more and more and more like him. To deal with the stuff in you, the hurt, the pain, and to bring healing. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I'm thankful to you that you are not done with us. We thank you for this man, Joseph. You know, a, a rare example of scripture where, yes, we see his arrogance as a young man, but and he wasn't perfect. We know that, God. But a, a man who chose to live for you, to even take the, the, the deep wounds of his past and to give them to you and to forgive his brothers because he knew you were working and you did a work in him. I pray, God, we would look at this model and, and see a, a pattern, God, where we can see also that you are working in our lives for good. And we commit to you this day, God. We know we're not done, but we commit to do that hard work of becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus, a disciple, a learner, one who is always growing towards the likeness of Jesus, that we would cooperate with the work you're doing, Holy Spirit, in us. I pray, God, for that person who doesn't yet know, know you. I pray, God, if, you've got, if you're here and you've got questions, please come and talk to us. But I pray, God, that if you, that person is ready, that you pray this simple prayer, Jesus, I want to know you. I want the life you've offered to me. I want forgiveness. I believe that you died for sins, was raised from the dead, and I trust you today. I don't know all that it means, but I am believing by faith that you're ready to remove my sins as far as the east is from the west and that you've got good plans in store for me. I trust you today. Thank you for the work you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>